Alan, can you hear me? <laughs> Good. Right. Well, I'm going to do the reading now. Uh, if you turn to your Bibles, it's Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm reading from verse 18. I felt this was a really good reading to lead on to the message about, um, it's a picture really of uh, the people of God gathered together in the heavenly Jerusalem uh, and the importance that God places on gathering his people together. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 18 to the end, <clears throat> reading from the New Revised Standard Version. You have not come to something that can be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and a sound of trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that not another word be spoken to them. Talking here about Mount Sinai when the Ten Commandments were being given and there was a sense of God's presence. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. It is a fearful thing to be in the presence of a holy God. But then the writer says this, we don't need to fear as God's people because we have come to God through Jesus. It says, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gatherings. A great picture of the host of heaven gathered together, worshipping. And to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. That's us. We are born of God. And our names are enrolled in heaven. This is talking about us in the future. And to God the judge of all. And to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The writer then goes on to say this, See to it that you do not refuse the one who is speaking, for if they did not escape when they refused the one who warned them on earth, how much less will we escape if we reject the one who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of what was shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. This is an encouraging passage which says that we are coming to the unshakable. We are in the shakable at the moment, and truly, if you look around the world, it seems fairly shakable, doesn't it? <clears throat> this is the promise. What cannot be shaken Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us give thanks, by which we offer to God an, an acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for indeed our God is a consuming fire. So friends, this is an acceptable worship that we are offering, and God delights, as I'm going to argue. Because we mentioned last week, uh, and if you didn't, uh, if you weren't here, I think you can pick up the sermon uh, on the church website. But we mentioned that the most important timetable for Christians, the most important timetable is the public worship together before God. This is the Lord's Day. 
And you remember last week I said that um, I've been reading a, a sermon which was preached 400 years ago. <laughs> I need to go somewhere for inspiration. <laughs> By a, a Puritan minister called David Clarkson in the 1680s. And his sermon was based on Psalm 87, which I read to you. The Lord loves uh, Zion. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. And what Clarkson was arguing here was that the Lord loves the public worship of his people more than just when we gather together in our own private, quiet times. They are important, but he loves it when we gather together in public worship. God appears most glorious in these circumstances. And when the organ struck up and those words came up, O oh Lord, our God, I an awesome wonder, you feel a sense, don't you? A real sense. God's people gather together. But, and this is the point that Clarkson is making, some people may say, well, you say that public worship is most precious. More precious than private worship, but that's not my experience. I've talked to Christians that have spoken like this. I find public worship a bit dry, a bit tedious. I don't find it quite so helpful as I do in my own private times. When I can sit at home, I can get my Bible out, I can read it. Maybe because of this pandemic I'm looking a lot more at internet sermons. And then I feel a sense of peace and happiness. I'm sure that's true. And, and Christians sometimes feel like that. And we're in great danger at the moment because a lot of churches haven't opened up. We're in great danger of getting out of the habit. And Clarkson says in his sermon that if we're not getting much blessing from public worship, rather than criticise the minister or the band or other arrangements, the first thing that we should do, he says, is look at our own hearts. That we shouldn't point the finger of fault at others. We should first of all just examine our own hearts before we come to church. Maybe the reason we don't get a lot from public worship is that we come to church with the wrong attitude. I'm just giving these things out. I, I don't believe that's the, the behaviour of people here at all. But I'm just saying it's worth bearing this in mind. Clarkson says that maybe we have neglected to prepare our own hearts before we come to church. Before we meet with God and his people. Clarkson lays a lot of store by being right with God before we come. Being prayerful. Recognising that this is a solemn assembly before a holy God. We should come prepared, he says. Look at our hearts. If we're not enjoying public worship, he says, you know, to change the metaphor, look at the plank in your own eye rather than the splinter in someone else's eye. Don't say that splinter needs removing when actually the problem lies with your own life. And I've been rereading this sermon this week. You can get it on the internet. It's a great sermon. And it's really brought home to me just how important it is. Public worship. Hebrews 12, 22 I read, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly 
Jerusalem, to be in the assembly of the firstborn whose names are enrolled in heaven. We come because we believe that we have been sprinkled by the blood of the Lamb and that that is what makes us right before God. That is why we have peace. And the local church is the shining example of this truth. We should be stable and steadfast and immovable because all around us, friends, outside, as I said, is shaking. There's not stability. But we have the gospel of good news. We have something so precious here. It's important that we do gather and we honour God. And people see us doing that. Clarkson says there's a danger, as I mentioned last week, in being led just by our own feelings. You know, do I feel like coming to church? But God makes it quite clear. Zion, that people should gather together in, perfect, in, in, in uh, public worship. How important that is. The story is told of the uh, man who's uh, Sunday morning and he's in bed still and uh, his wife calls up and she says, dear, we should be going to church. It's time. And he says, I don't want to go to church. So she calls up again and she says, dear, really, we ought to be getting to church. He says, I don't feel like going to church. I don't want to go. She says, you really do need to go because you're the minister. <laughs> that conversation did not take place this morning. But you know, we should delight to come together uh, to be with God and, uh, and to want to worship. And uh, sometimes people don't, don't come and they don't have a really good reason. But there are some good reasons not to come. There are some people that are shut in, as I said last week. There are some people that just really cannot make it physically. Uh, and some people really don't feel able to for various reasons. And the pandemic may be a factor. I accept all that. But Clarkson, in his sermon, and this is 400 years ago, he said that even then people were in the bad habit of skipping services. He says the congregations are thin in number. Why? Because people have other priorities on the Lord's Day. And he challenged them. He said, when you come to church, are you ready in your heart? David said in Psalm 42 these words. Psalm 42. David said these words. As a deer longs for the flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. I, I thirst for the face of God. And to thirst in your heart is to really, really desire something. You want to come to church and you want to be a blessing to your brothers and sisters. And to come with that mindset, yes, you may not feel like coming, but you may then say, but I want to come because I want to bless my brothers and sisters. There may be someone here that I can bless. Proverbs 25 has this word. <clears throat> a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. 
A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. And it's a poetic way of saying that when you say a kind word to someone, when your eyes show kindness above the mask, God says that is like a beautiful thing in a lovely setting of silver. And that is what it's like to be encouraged by someone. And you won't know if you're the right person to encourage if you're not here, because you don't feel you want to be here. There may be someone really struggling in their faith. They really need that kindness that your eyes show them in public assembly. We all need help on this pilgrimage towards the heavenly city. The Lord loves the gates of Zion. He loves his people assembled more than the dwellings of Jacob. So Clarkson's saying if we come with positive attitudes, then of course we are going to find this assembly a much more positive experience and others will benefit and God will be glorified. But if we are rather cavalier in our attitudes, if we don't count public worship important, if we say I don't feel like going, then Clarkson says no wonder you may feel that God is far from you and you don't get much from public worship. If you prefer your own company, your own spiritual devotions, rather than being together with your brothers and sisters, it's possible for all of us to lose our first love for God. And we must look after each other. The Christian walk is not an easy walk. Jesus describes it as carrying a cross daily. Therefore, we must take all the strength we can. And Clarkson says this, he says, do you come to church in faith? Hebrews says, without faith it's impossible to please God. But do you diligently seek the Lord and expect him to meet you here? Do you expect God to meet you here? Do you expect him to draw close to you? Because if you have faith, even as a mustard seed, God will bless you. And Clarkson says this, he says, you will be blessed through what he calls the public ordinances. The public ordinances. Now you may say, what does that mean? Well, back in the day, 400 years ago, the public ordinances was a simple word to mean the prayers, the public prayers, the Bible reading, the worship through song, and the sermon. These are public ordinances. And Clarkson says these are ordained to be a blessing and some of you will be blessed through the songs, some through the reading, some just through uh, the word or, or the combination of them. These are the ordinances. And Clarkson says, when you have the ordinances in a public setting, it is like, and I mentioned this last week, a great merchant ship docking in a harbour and the ship is laden to the gunwales with good things and gifts. And he says that's what it's like to come to the Lord on Sunday. The ship has arrived. God is ready to bless. But what he requires us in faith to do is to say, Lord, I expect to be blessed. I've made an effort to come, although I wasn't inclined. And I want to come and gather from this ship that you have so kindly docked to bless us with. Psalm 68 verse 19 says, the Lord daily loads us with benefits. He loads us. He wants to fill us with good things. And this is the place to receive that. The place where his people gather to worship.
And so Clarkson says, don't get into the habit, as it says in Hebrews, of neglecting to meet together like some do. Rather obey God's word. Put the facts first, then faith, and let your feelings trail behind. Because, you know, it's possible, as it was with God's, with the earthly ministry of Jesus, do you know there are some places where Jesus could not do miracles? There are some places in Israel, like Nazareth, his hometown, where he could not do the great works. Why? Because people didn't have faith in him. They didn't believe. They thought he was just the carpenter's son. If we don't have faith and don't come with expectation, no wonder God can't bless us as much as he wants to. Clarkson then says this, are you coming to church for the right reasons? You may say, I don't get much from public worship, but it may be that you're coming for the wrong reasons. You may just be coming out of habit. Now, it's a good habit to get into to come to church because you may feel comfortable. You may enjoy being here. But if it is only habit, if it's only habit that you come, then you won't be blessed as much as you could be. Some people come to church because of a guilty conscience. They think, well, maybe if I come to church uh, and have a good attendance, I will get to heaven. Some people, I think, think that. I don't think that's the case with people here, but some people might think that if I go to church regularly, and it's a bit like a school register, that in the end, God will ask for the register to be fetched. He'll check your name and see how much you come, and then say, well, you can come in. It is not like that. It clearly, we're missing the point if we think that. Some people come just for social reasons. Now, there is a good reason socially to come. But if that's your only reason, then you won't be blessed as much as you could be. I was talking to someone the other day, and they said that they found that a third of the people are not coming back to church since lockdown because the reason was that during the pandemic they had had to contact each other through WhatsApp or phone calls or whatever and it was just a meeting place for them. So when the church was opening up again they said well, we don't need to because I've already got links with my social network of friends. I don't need church. Clarkson says examine your motives. Why are you coming? Clarkson says, some people come to church for niceties, notions and novelties. Niceties, notions and novelties. I think what he means by that is, they might come to listen to a sermon and, 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 and just sort of, you know, they, they want to listen to a sermon, they're interested in the Bible, they have itching ears to find out more ideas. Maybe they give the sermon or the service an out of ten uh, mark. But Clarkson says, if you only come for niceties, notions and novelties, no wonder you don't feel blessed. He says, when you come to church, you've got to apply yourself. You've got to listen carefully to the message. Think of the message as if it's for you. Listen to the songs. Listen to the words of the songs. They've been selected carefully to fit in with the message. If it helps to stop you drifting, take, take notes. Try to remember what's being said and say, how does this apply to me? How does the message that God is bringing apply to my work, my family, my relationships, especially my relationship with God?
It's about being alert to what God is saying to you. Because Clarkson makes this lovely analogy. I think it's brilliant. He says this. Most people think when the church service is concluded and the work of the minister is over, their work is over. Clarkson says no. When the minister's work is over, our work begins. Here's a thought to ponder. This is what he says. He says, he likens a church service with the minister and the, and, and the team that, 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 that come to, to, to present the service, providing us each with a bunch of grapes. So the service has provided you with a bunch of grapes. So imagine a bunch of grapes on your lap at the moment. And those grapes are placed into your hands. But in order to get the real nourishment from those grapes, to get the real sweetness and the goodness and the wholeness from those grapes, they have to be pressed. And that work takes place in your home. Now, I've got an image of some of you putting grapes into the bath and pressing them with bare feet. I don't mean that. I mean that you think of this as a spiritual blessing that's been given to you, but you've got to do something about it to make the most of it, to get the full goodness. And that means that you think about the message. You read the passage over. I love the way that Kate, uh, almost without fail, sends a picture of a key verse in the WhatsApp group. I think it's lovely, Kate, because it makes me think one person is thinking about the verse after the service. But, you know, Kate is pressing the grapes. <laughs> She's, and, and, and the wine from that we can all look at, and it's wonderful. But we must be determined. A service is not like a newspaper. You know a newspaper, you read a newspaper, very interesting, and then it's an old newspaper. We should think about services not to be discarded just by the evening, but to be thought about. Some healthy churches even go over the minister's sermon during the week in the Bible studies. You know, the three points made and say, how does it apply to us? Um, I'm not suggesting that uh, you'll want to do that, but it's not a bad idea, actually, you know. But it, Clarkson says, if you approach church with this attitude, faith, positivity, and really thinking about what is God saying, then church and public worship will be more of a blessing guaranteed. But if we only give half an ear, if we say, oh, I'm glad that's over, then, you know, uh, you won't be so blessed. Hebrews 12, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. This is not a small matter. What we do here is not small. The, the, the world may think it's small, but God does not think it's small. You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. And Lynn urged us a few weeks ago, she said, You have the foundation of Jesus Christ, your Saviour, wonderful. Build on it. Build on it. Not with straw and hay and stubble, because it's going to be burnt up. Build on it with precious stones, with silver and gold. And uh, you will be blessed. Come looking forward to these things from God. And finally, he says this. Clarkson says, you know, for argument's sake, even if it's true that at home, with your Bible, and your quiet time, and 
listening to the internet sermons, even if you are wonderfully blessed, even if that's true, public worship is still to be preferred. That's what he says. He doesn't mention internet because he didn't know about internet, but he says that public worship is to be preferred over private worship. Because he says, why would you stay away from public worship? If God has blessed you, why would you want to keep those blessings to yourself? Why wouldn't you want to come and bring them to your brothers and sisters on the Lord's Day? Because spiritual gifts and blessings are primarily not for you. They are not for you. They are for you to bless others with. And in the blessing of others, you will be blessed. And church, church is the great place, God's family, where we are all gathered together and we are all interconnected. And um, you know what Paul says, you know where I'm going with this. Paul the Apostle says, I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. That means even if you think that you don't play a great role in church, that you are indispensable, Paul says, according to God, no. You are indispensable. You are part of the body. All the body works together. And those members of the body that we think less honourable, we clothe with greater honour. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honour to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension among the body. But the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honoured, then all rejoice together. So, you know, Clarkson is saying that our greatest witness, the greatest witness that you and I have is that we love each other. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. And the way we show that is in church assembly. The way we show that is in the Olive Branch group meeting together. Apart from Sunday, they want to meet together. We have a cafe, um, Macmillan. Why? Because we want to do that together. We have the Renew Cafe. There's so many things that we do because we love each other and people see this and they're witness to and God is glorified. If we come with the attitude, what can I get out of church for me? It's a wrong attitude. If we come on a Sunday morning prayerfully and say, Lord, how can you use me to bless my brothers and sisters? Then that's the secret. You know, having a humble spirit and a giving spirit is a secret to a happy marriage. It's a secret to good friendships, a humble and giving spirit. And it's a secret to a healthy church life. I truly believe that. So let's come with these thoughts in our head. And then we bring glory to God. And then public worship, as God says, is preferred over private worship. So let's place great and paramount importance on what we do here. And friends, let's squeeze the grapes together. Let's squeeze the last drops out of what gives us, what God has given us. Um, let's do it with all our might. Let's just pray. Father God, we do thank you for this wonderful uh, sermon that was preached 400 years ago by your servant, uh, who is worshipping you right now, David Clarkson, worshipping you in heaven. And we look forward to that day too. 
But Lord, we pray that in the meantime, we will do all that we can, with all our strength and all our might and all our time and all our energy, to serve you. Help us, Lord, to be able to worship you in public assembly for as long as possible. 